Chills from NZ, a podcast chocker with all things Aotearoa New Zealand and some about me, Jules. Chur. Koto Katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ, the glitter episodes, where I ramble about topics that interest me, answer call-ins, and tell you all about my crazy, crazy life. Most of that RPG, but some of that not. Ketepehe Koto, how are you all? Ketepai, I am good. I have so much RPG to talk about again today. But first off, I wanted to start with a couple of call-ins I received after my last few episodes. First up, you're going to hear Jason from the highly esteemed Nerds RPG cast, and then you'll hear Joey from the ever-provocative Hindsightless. Hey Jules, Jason here. Just heard the last episode. Glad you're getting a lot of roleplay in. Yeah, that kind of stinks, the thing with the con and the money thing. That's the problem with mixing business with your hobbies, right? It's that fine balance. I'm lucky enough that I have a good enough job I can keep RPGs just as a hobby, but I can definitely appreciate where you're, you know, you're trying to mix and trying to help the hobby pay for itself, you know, where you come across those kind of dilemmas. Um, it's a shame your your partners aren't more interested in doing the pro bono thing, but, you know, they have their reasons. As far as changing your brand, hey, do what you have to do, you, you know, it's no big deal. We'll follow you either way, and congrats on playing Joey's game. I know it's going to be a great game. I look forward to hearing about it. So take care. Talk to you soon. Hey, Jules, it's Joe. So, so glad to see a new episode from you. I was pumped when that showed up yesterday. Uh, yeah, just awesome. Awesome. And if someone would have asked me a couple days ago if I wanted to hear a 40-minute discussion on yacht racing, I probably would have said no. But you made it so much fun. Your energy and enthusiasm were infectious like you just oh my god you really kept me just super engaged the whole time i learned a ton uh, more than i ever thought i wanted to know about yacht racing but again thank you for you know just putting that out there and just for being awesome so keep up the great work and i can't wait for the next one peace out hey jason I talk soon more about Wellicon and what we've decided there and more about Joey's game too. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and it's really great to hear from you. And Joey, I'm so glad that the America's Cup episode went down with you. Went down well with you, not went down with you. That's a whole different episode. Uh, thanks for that feedback. It's great to hear my episodes aren't just going out into the void, especially seeing as I hate the audio on that track. I forgot to test my microphone again and it was the worst. I did not forget today, but I couldn't bring myself to do 40 minutes of straight recording again. So I didn't know if I would be able to like naturally summon that enthusiasm for telling you all about it without sounding forced the second time around. So I tried to clean it up as best I could, but it's not great. And I do apologize that folks, I, it's not my best episode and it's super, super bummed me out. So thanks, Joey, for putting some positive spin on that episode. Joey is actually also my newest Patreon gem. So welcome to the glittery family, Joey. It's an honor to have your support, truly. I can't wait to roll out your rewards topics and pictures. And there are more call-ins I received, but I'll share a bit later on for reasons that will be obvious later. (laughs) Okay, so on to what you're here for. More RPG! 
So let's start with my beautiful babies, the Polly's Angels, who have been playing their way through Ghosts of Saltmarsh. They have nearly made their way through the hidden underbelly of the ruins in Abbey Isle. We've actually managed a couple of in-person games mixed in with the online games, which has been really, really amazing. They're my only group that has ever come to my house to play, and there's definitely something special about that that happens every time. I'd love to do more of that. Um, and yes, all of you overseas that can't do this, I know that's rubbing it in a little, and I'm sorry about that. Like, I really, really am. Um, I wish all of the in-person gaming for all of you, and I hope that that happens with the vaccinations that are rolling out soon. Uh, anyway, but last time I said that they may have avoided a bunch of fights with cleverness. Well, if you don't want spoilers, maybe skip ahead a bit. Um, I'm going to talk a bit more in detail about what's happening under the uh, Abbey Isle ruins there. My players, you can totally stick around. You've already fought through all of this, so you're good. Okay, are we still here? Alright, here we go. So, the party picked up a medallion that the cleric they were killed was wearing, and Arm the Warlock put it on. Unbeknownst to them, that necklace basically meant that a bunch of the monsters that are in the secret part of the abbey don't attack them. That necklace entitles them to wander the trapped hallways nearly freely. Nearly. Because I did say trapped. There are several different types of trap. Five, in fact and my players haven't found all of them but I think they've figured out what triggers them basically so they're being cautious enough I don't think I'm giving away anything by telling you about what traps are actually on offer in this dungeon so there's the traditional tripwire which triggers a concrete block to fall for 4d8 bludgeoning damage if you don't make the dc 14 deck save that is pretty gnarly um, there's the illusion pits that you basically can't avoid falling into because passive perception of 19 isn't really a thing at 6th level and that's what it takes to notice it. I guess one of my players does have detect magic on at all times and definitely did detect that there was magic around but uh, I don't think it really entitles you to figure out where it is so they basically don't notice where this is until they, one of them falls into it and then becomes very obvious. Um, so when they fall into it, underneath this illusory floor is a 6 by 6 10 foot deep acid pit that deals 4d10 damage and keeps doing it on your turn again unless you are able to make the DC 10 athletics check to climb out of it. So far they all have. Um, there's also the spike pit traps too. But somehow, through sheer dumb luck, they've managed to avoid them all. So far. It's a painted wooden trapdoor in the stone floor that drops them into a pit of that same size again, dealing 1d6 bludgeoning damage as they hit the floor and 2d8 piercing damage as they hit the spikes, with the same check to climb out again. There's the false doors, which are probably my favourite, because there are doors everywhere down here and it's screwing with their heads. They are dying to open them to see if they go anywhere, only they don't have any thieves tools, so they keep triggering the traps instead when they try to disarm them. And these false doors have a giant concrete block that falls from above when the wire attached to the handle is pulled. They do 8d8 
bludgeoning damage, and it's a giant hit for a level 6 character. They can avoid it with a DC 14 dex save, and they've had some super close calls, one of them rolling an actual 14 for the save, with I think like a plus 1 guidance to actually get there. So only once did they fail, and the warlock nearly went down in one hit. I try not to enjoy it too much. You know, when it happens. <laughs> the last trap is also tied to a door, only it's not a false door. They can open it. They probably just don't want to, due to the crossbow that is loaded, ready to fire when the wire attached to the handle is pulled. It makes an attack roll with a plus 6 to hit their AC, and on a hit does 3d10 piercing damage. So my players are walking around checking everything, pretty paranoid, itching to open doors but terrified to do so. And it's super fun! For me. They'll be screaming at me as they're listening to this. <laughs> But, um, though I never want to kill my players, because that's not the sort of DM I am. If my players die, I am just as gutted as they are. I'm brokenhearted for them. Um, not just for the storylines that I've written for their characters, but for them. I don't want them to die. So, but I do want it to be tough. And they keep beating up my monsters, so it's nice to get them with a trap sometimes, you know? <laughs> So speaking of monsters, down here there are a bunch of them that won't fight them, but there are a couple who will. In an easily found treasure room, walls lined with chests full of gold stands an innocent jade statue. What could possibly be wrong with just an innocent jade statue? And it's a fun one. I think you can guess. Touch the treasure and wham! Living vampiric jade statue. It's a fun ghost of salt marsh construct. Basically a CR8, immune to a bunch of conditions and lightning and poison damage, with legendary actions of biting, moving without opportunity attacks, and blood reaper, which basically means all creatures cursed, and they get cursed through, you know, its actions, can, within 20 foot, take 5 necrotic damage with just no way to avoid that. So that's kind of fun. Um, it also has legendary resistance three times a day, of course. It can attack three times on its turn, too. One bite and two claws. That was a little tough, but when you have four players plus a helpful bard NPC they've convinced to tag along for a cut of the treasure against one baddie, it doesn't take that long to take it down, even if it is a tough fight. All to find out that the gold here is wooden painted discs, and it's all false. The trap strongbox that they smashed open even had a note mocking them with its emptiness. Rude. <laughs> but again, fun for me. There is also another creepy statue down here. We played the fight against the Crystal Minotaur only last night, and that was gnarly. It has two attacks, one with its axe and one with its horns as a gore, and once around when they hit it with a melee attack, it gets a reaction for an auto unavoidable 10 piercing damage as shards of crystal fly off it. I think that's the first time I've hit my players with something like that and their face definitely showed fear for a moment there. Then one of the players, the dwarven paladin Wolfric, decided to hit out at the guests and the zombie ogre just chilling in the room. He saw evil and he wanted it smited. You know, it makes sense, I can respect that. And the book doesn't really cover what to do if your players are wearing the necklace but attack the monsters anyway. So I rolled for their will to defend themselves and it was a high roll. So I decided that even with the necklace being worn, their survival instincts would make them fight back. 
and suddenly they're facing a bigger fight. The players were not particularly happy with Devon's character choices for Wilfric for a second there, but the fight was on regardless. And from one statue fight to a statue plus three other very creepy creatures, it got hairy. Saves against paralysis, horrendous stench poisoning the human fighter Harper, and a zombie ochre ogre that wouldn't stay down. I got to drop zombies on them and I was very excited about the role to pull them back up again. Panic was creeping in. There is pretty something pretty pure and wholesome about getting to show them all their first monsters and maybe a little sadistic with the enjoyment that I get out of scaring them over and over. But they survived to fight another day and are now carefully hunting where this real treasure might be hidden. Maybe they'll find it. Behind one of the doors. <laughs> ah, happiness. Okay, those who skipped for spa, salt marsh spoilers. Wow, that was really hard to say. You can totally come back now. Salt marsh spoilers are over. Okay, so I know. Those of you who stuck around now think I'm mean to my babies. They did thank me for the game and say it was fun, but they're also not happy about being beaten up so badly by all of these new monsters. But that's okay, right? Because every week I get payback in the form of playing a game of Pathfinder and not knowing what any of those monsters there are or do. And the green and pleasant land run under DM Joey's thumb is not particularly pleasant. Very fun! But everything is trying to kill me or make me run away or just make me scared. Um, the last bit of massive fight, I didn't get to really do a single thing. Stupid spring-heeled Jack kept slapping me with a fair condition every time I got near. And I had to turn around and run off the damn map with no way to undo it. And it was the worst. I now understand what Spike Pitt was talking about, feeling just like sidelined from the game. And I was very, very annoyed. Not at Joey, just at being powerless to do anything. I'm loving playing Rosie Ardern though. I've never played a cleric before and definitely not in Pathfinder. I've barely played any Pathfinder at all. And I'm playing like Joey's hack of Pathfinder, which is like low magic and we've got to hide who we are kind of thing. And it's really, really interesting. So I decided that um, her domains would be healing and nature. I know that's a little strange, but I sort of read about Leshies, the plants that are little creature companions, and I really wanted one. And also I kind of decided that she would worship the green man, which is a very nature-y sort of um, god. And I really wanted her to have a link to nature if she was going to do that. So um, it was important to me that that we we worked those in. And Joey kindly helped me build my entire character around those whims. So we built her to have some healing for sure, but she's also a battle cleric. She comes from a rich family and she has a sanctified shield that she uses to help her allies by flanking up close. She distracts the monsters by waving her rapier at them, gives them a plus three aid either to hit or I see by doing so using the help action. In a recent session, we got given a book that three of us read to get a teamwork feat of Precise Strike as well. So that's sweet. It gives a extra d6 damage when one of your allies is flanking. So basically, Rosie is always up in the mix. Um, and in the last session, we just played, like literally this morning, I just got finished playing it. Um, we went up against um, Sturges, basically. I think he called them something else, like Vampire flies or something I forget now what he called them but a bunch of these little like flying creatures that were sucking 
was con damage out of people essentially like like bringing down their stats instead of bringing down their hp and that's something that like dnd doesn't really do much of so i'm always surprised and shocked by pathfinder feeling more um more damaging to the character when you play it's it's not as simple as oh my hp is just down and i have to now heal myself with the cure wounds or whatever it's like you get all these conditions that really screw you up you know so um it's really really exciting challenging and i love how technical pathfinder can get i also think that joey is like a crazy good dm you know like inspiringly so he knows the system inside and out he comes up with these fun challenging encounters with like an incredibly engaging storyline you know, players lucky enough to find themselves with him as a DM should be bloody thankful because players don't always get that lucky to have DMs that good. And I feel incredibly thankful to to not just be playing with him, but to know him and um, get all of that experience. And every time I talk to him about the games that I'm writing or running, he just adds so much value and so much side thought to what I was thinking that I, I just can't help but be a better DM because of him. And that's kind of incredible, you know, that one person can have that much of an impact on, on who you become. And speaking of good DMs, remember how I'm contracted to be a DM for a higher service called Questbook? Well, we ran another official event recently. Four of us got the opportunity to DM in an official games store. Um, and these are really good DMs too, like, I've played in games with them, and I've watched them with play other players at tables next to me and stuff, and I just, they're all incredible in all of these different ways. One of them writes political intrigue games, like no one I've ever seen, and they're very fun, you know? So, but we were, we were getting this opportunity to run at an official game store. The best game store in Wellington, Counterculture. I was so, so, so excited to be one of four people that got to run games there, you know. Um, I had a table of four to my adventure, and the other DM's tables were super humming too. I ran Stormtree Tower, a shortened version of the homebrew that I came up for Sasha's birthday that I told you about last time. I think I called it the Mad Mage of Merton, but Joey kind of pointed out to me there's already a Mad Mage, like, um like campaign or module or whatever so I changed it to Stormtree Tower um which I think still gets across the 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 you know the crazy um mood of the adventure so that's cool anyway I ran a shortened version of it only four rooms I had the tipping table trap the crypt um the door that needs a password and the maze with the gelatinous cube chasing you through it and what a blast that was Although I have decided I really need a gelatinous cube mini. Um, figures being chased across a battle map with a dice just doesn't really have the same terror-inducing effect. They keep trying to fight it and getting engulfed and you just kind of have to put their figurine on top of the dice. And I don't know, it just doesn't really get the same thing across. So, um, yeah, yeah. I definitely need that many. Also, the DMs, as amazing as they are for running games, were not super amazing at running the event in total. We sat down afterwards and discussed how to do it better next time. Um, we kind of had to go shopping for our own players for our tables, which was a weird experience. They really should have been, like, signed up and assigned a table when they came in the door, and they weren't doing that, and I have pretty much given them a lecture about how to do that next time, uh, <laughs> because, I, I mean, I 
I, I run cons and stuff myself, so I have a lot of experience. So I shared all of that experience and all of my spreadsheets and all of my sign-up sheets and how I think that we should be getting information about um, what kind of a level of player they are, what their name is, what their pronoun that they use is. Before we even sit down at the table, I think we should have that information in our hot little hands before we start the game. So that reduces the time that we have to do admin at our table when we should be getting into the game and just playing. So again, their feedback, they um, took that really well. The, the guys who run Questbook are amazing, um, really supportive and really keen to just be better for us. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice to work in a relationship like that um, where we can kind of ask for things and, and work better. So yeah. Um, but as it turns out, Counterculture loved us um, and they want us back monthly. So that's epic. I'm pretty stoked with that outcome. Um, I'll be one of like a revolving cast of DMs, but should all things going well get like a paid spot every couple of months? Or one more step on my journey of supporting myself with my passions and even maybe getting a little known for it on the way. And I took a big step towards that over French Festival actually. I had um, three live D&D shows over one weekend, two different characters and a whole load of excitement. And you can listen to all of the live show episodes on Diceratops and Fate of Eisen, two different podcasts on all, you, all the usual podcast apps. So I'm not going to spoil those for you here because they were really fun and it's really hard to um, give that energy back uh, to describe something that I think you should just go listen to because it's just good and it was really fun. Um, so what I wanted to tell you about though is how I ended up on breakfast television playing D&D for the whole of New Zealand to see. So Fringe Festival is really good about promoting those shows that they have, that they, they feel are strong ideas or, or different ideas. Or I mean, the whole of Fringe is different. The, whole, the, the concept behind Fringe is that they, they are the things that you wouldn't see in the mainstream all together in one big festival for you. You've got everything from like a juggling comedian to, you know, like um, dancers to... I don't really know, I'm not coming up with these well off the top of my head, but like every type of different performance there is, drag, poetry, all of these things are all found in the French Festival and sometimes completely mashed and mixed in together. There's, you know, like um, amazing shows that you can see with all sorts of talent on display. But um, this year there was four different D&D shows um, of varying types, so like Fate of Eisen did its live show podcasting recording for us. It's about connecting with our our audiences in, in a way that we actually get to see them and, and chat to them and they get to see us and they get to interact with us and we get to give them prizes at the show and um, let them kind of make calls and yell out things. And it's definitely fun, especially seeing as we are comedians first and foremost, you know, like being able to get back in front of that live audience feeds our our passion for doing it in a situation where sometimes you feel like you're just talking to your two other friends and is anybody even listening out there, you know? So, so for us, that's what it's about. For Diceratops, um, we went very, um, we went very meta and, and, and played on the concept of, of the DM for those games. And that was, that was really fun. Um, the DM being the dream master instead of the dungeon master. And so they, 
the DM was kind of almost a character in the game and that was that was a really fun um, concept to play with and, and, and I find with Diceratops we are, we're constantly, while we're still playing with our audience, we're playing with concepts about D&D and what it could be and what it can be um, because we play a very stripped down version of it. Um, uh, we don't even level. In fact, our characters have never leveled over the entire time that we've been playing because that's not what it's about. It's about the role play and the situations and the 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 things that we get up to rather than the things that we can do, which is definitely a, a different concept of play. Anyway, I'm telling you about all of this and I'm supposed to be telling you about the two other shows that were in the festival. So one was about um, this, this guy has a solo show where he basically gets the audience to help him beat his encounters by making the choices for him so he'll give them a couple of choices at every point and and the audience gets to sort of like yell louder or whatever for for which path they want to go down and and yeah it's it was a very very fun um concept and then the other one um wasn't like an improvised sort of journey but like um, a little bit less in audience interaction and more um, what he decided to kind of go with um, at the time and sort of more of a storytelling sort of aspect. Um, but, though, but it was really amazing to be one of four live D&D shows. One of four live D&D shows. I mean, that's never happened before. I mean, not, not that I know of um, in a festival like that. And it just shows you and tells you that, that like, you know, role play games and, and as a whole, and yes, D and D most more popular than most, but role play games as a whole is kind of coming out into the forum right now and it's and it's exciting and it's new and, and people are uh, mainstreaming it a little bit more than they ever were before and we definitely all had full audiences. So incredible that um, Wellington came out to to play, basically came out to play some some RPG um, with us. So it was just it was just awesome. And because of that Fringe Festival was like, what? what is this D&D thing? Because, you know, like they, they saw so many of them on their program and they were like, we need to get this on TV. And, and we um, at Diceratops Morg is amazing about reaching out to um, different people to market what we're doing. And he's got all these great contacts of people that he's just worked with for years, you know. And when it came to, hey, we've got the slot that we could kind of do with Breakfast TV, would you guys be interested because we see you doing all of this work with the newspaper already, that article that we were in, um, and the photos that we have and the really professional nature that Morg has that really speaks well of us. Um, and they were like, we, we want you. And so <laughs> that's how we ended up on Breakfast TV uh, having a wee interview with like the Breakfast TV host who's like, hey, I'm here with Diceratops and we're about to play a game of D&D. Tell me what D&D is. And, and we sort of, and we nominated someone to talk because, you know, the, these things you only get a few minutes as like live crosses um, to back to the people in the studio or whatever. So we nominated someone to do all of our important talking for us and... Um, so he kind of told him about what D&D was and, and who it's for and why you should play it. And, and then he was like, right, we're going to get back to the game. And, and the game that we're playing is like 
very terribly sat. Um, we had a Heroes Quest board out and Morg's sitting behind his like DM screen wearing his like DM robe looking all you know crazy mysterious and stuff and then we're like rolling dice and stuff and then they go hey 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 is the festival still on so I'm like standing there and I, I can't hear any of this like because we can't hear the live cross we're just hearing the dude that's in front of us like talking to us but he's got like a head, head earpiece in his ear and so he's like he said the thing and then I knew that that was my cue to roll and they were going to zoom out on my roll and see what was happening or whatever and then it was going to cut. So I'm like standing there and I'm like, I did my roll and, and nobody's telling me to move now and I'm sort of still there and my hand's just like in the way of the camera and he's like hearing something in his earpiece and he goes, oh yeah, 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 no, sorry, yes, the festival's still on because we were in um, like COVID stress stuff and we weren't sure if we were going to have to shut the festival down or whether people could still come or whether people had to wear masks or how the restrictions and all that kind of stuff. So he talked a little bit about that, about how the festival was still on and everything was fine. And, you know, you would just, you know, wash and stay home if you're sick and blah, 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 you know. And so, but it was just kind of awkward. It was like this weird bit. And I was like, oh God, I hate my life. And then he comes back and he's like, oh, okay, cool. So they've got some space for us again at the end. So we're going to do another thing at the end. So you guys are cool to like stick around for half an hour and just like, wait, eh? And we're all like, uh, yeah, I guess it's like eight o'clock in the morning. And then I'm like, well, I have to go to work at some point, but sure, you know. That should still be fine. Um, and then, so he comes back and he 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 and Morg have organised this thing where he's going to play D&D. Like he's going to, Morg's going to set up a situation for him and he's going to roll and see if he makes it or not. And the live roll is just going to be whatever the live roll is. And we're like, oh God, please let him roll high. You know, because we can't fake that on. If he gets a crit one, like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, <laughs> and Morg was like, oh, it's fine. We'll make it about the live cross. And so we were like, what if he gets a crit one? And he was like, well, we're just going to have to trip him down the stairs. So he falls down the stairs, like, live on TV. Because, he, I mean, he got a crit one. Like, that's how this works, right? So thank God he gets an 18, right, on live cross. And so Morg's like, oh, you nailed the live cross and everything's beautiful. And, you know, you get everybody's names right and blah, 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 blah. And from the studio I, we don't hear this but from the studio they're like well it'll be the first time you know and it's it was it was perfect it was great and it was epic um it was just so good it was just it was just so awesome to be advertising something that that for so long has has meant that I'm a nerd I'm I'm less of something um and then I'm out there on breakfast tv for all of New Zealand to see that this is cool and this is awesome and we're pumped and we're we're doing a thing and and we're cool people and we're having a laugh and we've got a sense of humor and you know like we don't look like weirdos in a basement you know like it was just anyway I'm rambling um it was really awesome um let's talk about something else <laughs> um okay so WellyCon is getting closer I made a call um, about WellyCon. So last time um, I was talking about how my co-producer wasn't really coming to the party and wasn't really doing um, any kind of decision making and actually I've done all of the emailing and everything recently so I just made a call and decided on $10 tickets to play a three hour professionally run session with skilled DMs and negotiated that we would get $7.50 of that to cover our costs to run the sessions and pay the DMs and they would take the $2.50 for like hosting the space and putting it on and that kind of stuff. Like even though 
they weren't having to do, like WallyCon wasn't having to do anything. They're still giving us these tables and, and doing all of the marketing and setting up all of the ticketing. So it's it's fair that they should take a piece of that. Um, and I feel good about it being a 250-750 split. I feel great about that, actually, because they could have given us nothing and they've given us that. So um, with a maximum of six people at a table, that is 45 people uh, 45 per table um, minus some printing and laminating costs to make some more pre-gen characters enough to cover the three tables for the DMs and stuff. I hope to pay the DMs over $40 per session that they run. Now I know $40 for three hours isn't an amazing rate of pay but it's definitely better than $15 per session they got last year. Of course that also relies on us selling out so there's going to have to be a lot of serious marketing to make that happen. So I hope Wellington Roll players again come to the party and help me out there. I mean I think $10 for a game is a bargain so I hope that other gamers too. Fingers crossed for me folks that um, I managed to pay all of my DMs at least that because they are worth so much more than that for the work that they do and the effort that they put in. Um, just yeah keep your fingers wildly crossed for me until the 5th of June which is when WallyCon is on that everybody buys all of the tickets. 18 sessions worth times six that's a lot of people so I need that many people to come and that makes me think of other bargains I've encountered recently so I've seen a bunch of awesome looking kickstarters over the years but honestly I've pretty much been constantly broke I only buy what I directly need to live my players even bought me the monster manual and amazing friends have purchased Tarsus cauldron of everything ghosts of salt marsh even fans of fate of eisen have bought me dice before a lot of the amazing resources I use are given to me by incredible folks um like my dragon baggin from wayward masquerade that was donated to me and that makes me so 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 grateful and I have always wanted to be able to pass that on or pay that back but Recently, I received a pay rise from work for the first time in two years, and it wasn't like five cents. <laughs> it was like 34 extra dollars a week, and I cried a lot. I know that doesn't seem like a lot for probably a lot of you, but for me, it's a damn fortune, and I wondered what I would use that on first. And then I went on Twitter, and it was wildly obvious. The Venture Maidens were putting out a campaign guide. <laughs> I actually squealed out loud and clicked. I created a Kickstarter account faster than I've ever created any account and I sighed a little bit about all the incredible extra options that I could never afford in a million years and I went for the lesser option, the PDF of the guide for $18, right? Because, you know, NZD, that's going to be more, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then at the last minute, I clicked on the $45 printed copy to be sent and closing my eyes, I committed. My first ever Kickstarter, costing me about 62NZD. Uh, nearly two weeks of my extra raise money. <laughs> Paid out in about a month or so. But I'm not scared that I will never see it. I trust in the three sisters that this book will arrive exactly when they say. I know this podcast, this crew, and they are incredibly dedicated to their listeners. And I have faith. And I was right to have faith. When I clicked it, it was still in the first few hours and had already made it enough in 30 minutes to meet their first goal. And now they've made over 70,000, meeting all but the last of their stretch goals, which is incredible, just like they are. And I'm so goddamn excited about getting this book sometime 
in the future and like getting to run in the world that Celeste Conowich has made with these talented femme podcasting voices. So if you haven't listened to Venture Maidens yet, then you're seriously, seriously missing out on one of the best 5e actual plays that has ever been made. I know that's a big call, but I'll back that to my death and I've definitely said that before. So yeah, yeah. And if they uh, put on another Kickstarter or they do anything like that, um, I would wildly recommend that you support because I just know that this material is going to be good. They're already sharing like who their artists are, who the people working on the project are. They're being incredibly forthright um, and there's amazing people linked to this. So it's going to be so good and I cannot wait to open it and crack it and review it and stuff uh, when I get it. So what is there left to talk about? Because I've already been talking for a long time. Oh yeah, the call-ins that you've been waiting for. When I received these, I wanted to laugh and squeal and cheer for how awesome it is to have other people out there sharing too. But I also wanted to wait and play them until the end of the episode because for those listeners of a more delicate persuasion, you can stop soon. I promise I'm not hiding more RPG content. Nope, it's about to get a little hot bothered about sex positivity in here. So if you're not into that, that's totally cool. I'll put the episode ending stuff here for you and then you can go. So next Jules from NZ episode will be about Anzac Day. Seeing as it's coming up fast and then in the next Glitter episode, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to actually review an RPG gaming system that I came across recently and played a few times. I know, I won't be talking about D&D 5e, what a shocker. <laughs> so I look forward to sharing that with you all too. Big shout out and personal thanks to my nine gems. Scott, Glenn, James, Jason, Barry, Liren, KP, Ezekiel, and Joey. I could not do this without you. You inspire me to do more and more, and I know you don't get to see all of the amazing things that I'm actually doing enough, so I'm going to keep working on that. I'll be sharing some secrets about the projects that I'm working on over on Patreon very soon, because I am very excited. Thanks to everybody out there listening. I love you all. Uh, honestly, seeing the numbers roll in just kind of makes my day. Every time I say that you crazy people are listening to me, I love you all for your bonkersness. So... Um, but until my next episode, a nohora, kakite ano, aroha nui. See you next episode, and I love you. Mwah! Now, for those of you who are a little more perverted and stayed, you're all my favorite people. <laughs> and it's time to share. Hit it, TJ, of Melodorous Miasma Meltdown fame, and Liren from the epic Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. Vibrators and dildos Only time is calling And God only knows What that thing is Or where it might go Vibrators and dildos Now Jules, you put a disclaimer in your episode Warning people, they might be made uncomfortable By things you're about to talk about But at what point do they become too comfortable With the things you're talking about At what point does their comfort with your subject matter begin to make you uncomfortable. Just food for thought, I'll hang up and listen. Hey beautiful, it's Liren from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. It sounds like you are having a lot of fun gaming and I think that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. It must be nice to live in a country that handles pandemics in a safe and sane manner, even if you do have a few wackadoos like we do. Unfortunately, more and more, I think people are just getting sick and tired of dealing with the pandemic, and we're seeing less and less mask use, which makes me nervous. 
I don't know. I think I'd feel better if the vaccines were being distributed faster. Who knows? Anyway, enough about that. You mentioned something that's very near and dear to my heart, and that is vibrators. So I'm going to embarrass my husband by telling you this most likely, but I'm going to tell you anyway, for my birthday this year, he bought me a brand new one called a Satisfy Her, S-A-T-I-S-F-Y-H-E-R. And I encourage you to Google it because, oh man, that thing is awesome and like nothing else I've ever owned. I also wanted to say that I am a total fan of sex positivity. I think people's mental health would be greatly improved if they could embrace pleasure. And I don't mean promiscuity and all of that. I mean pleasure. Like, self-pleasure is wonderful. Who else knows how best to pleasure you than you, right? (laughs) Anyway, uh, I appreciate you talking about that. I never mean to embarrass anyone, but I have to tell you that when I opened my present, uh, the first time I tried it, I was like, wowzers. Like, I didn't even know that existed. And, you know, this is going to sound silly, but it really made me feel loved. Like... There isn't really any benefit to using that for a male. That is strictly a tool for female pleasure. And so there wasn't any aspect of it's for both of us there. Well, I mean, indirectly, maybe. (laughs) Anyway, make your wives feel loved, guys. Give it a try. (laughs) When they're fabulous, when they're awesome, when they're just incredible, wasn't that worth the wait? I completely agree, Laren. I think mental health is wildly improved with pleasure. And some, for some people, that's as simple as, you know, a cup of tea, a book, and a block of chocolate. And for others, it's a little more, you know, stimulating. And honestly, I think the thing you mentioned about how buying that gift is a real sign of love is really true. Like, maybe too true. Uh, it honestly made me feel really warm and fuzzy to think about how much love that means when somebody does something that's selfless. Um, I know for me, one of the languages of love that I have the most is making time. Um, if we're going to talk about languages of love, if you guys have, have heard of these. Um, and, and for me, it's about someone putting aside time in their day to, to just be with me or, or the little things that they might do, um, that, that acts of service, I think it is one where they, they just make you a cup of tea without asking, um, if you want what having to be asked to make you one, like that kind of stuff. So these things, like those little selfless things, um, uh, mean more to me than potentially gifts do. So I know what you mean about like, yes, it was a gift, but it was also a gift that is completely selfless it does nothing for them it's it's just time for you to feel good um and that 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 is amazing you know and tj you ain't crossed my lines yet buddy (laughs) you're gonna have to try harder but i did laugh pretty hard and play your message on repeat there when i got that so my flatmates may think you're very weird um you did wonders for my mental health with that message so thanks very much and thanks for listening to my thoughts you too it was super awesome anyway i'm gonna get out of here before this podcast turns into a sex positivity podcast where i chat about all of my feelings about that because i think that's a different podcast maybe less jewels from new zealand and more jewels does new zealand Uh, love yourselves everyone it's super healthy in every way that that means goodbye